spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Ambien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house we're on zoom again today and we're down to london now got a lovely lady on today kate wilson who i owe a big thank you to hannah kate for because i heard her on hannah kate's program hannah's bookshelf which is like a Manchester Radio post-stage show recently, and I was blown away with the material. And I actually actually emailed Hannah to say, wow. And then Hannah said, oh, yeah, contact Kate through this if you want to bring on your Spoken Label podcast. And Kate, Kate didn't know that I'm speaking to today because Hannah was really praising us. <laughs> so, Kate, first of all, seriously, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, where you originally come from, because I know you don't live there now and where you are now, and we'll start from there. Thanks, Andy, and thank you very much for all your kind words about my recording. Um, so yes, my name's Kate Wilson, and I'm an original I'm from Oxfordshire, and I've been writing since I was a teenager. Um, obviously, it starts off being very angsty, and I kind of jokingly say that I'm now angsty adult writing poetry. Um, <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did some writing um, when I was doing my master's in English. I did a few um, poetry writing modules at the time, but I had quite a long time of not writing, and I've recently got back into it. Ah, oh, right. So, you know, kids, uh, that's interesting, that really, because it's, I know, I know some people who do university degrees and masters, they actually, they just seem to carry straight on. So I was like that. I did my degree in it at Bolton Uni about 20 years ago. And I had a lull for a year or two afterwards, but then when I got into it, it's never stopped. And Amanda, my partner, as I said before, she's done a done, got him just done a master's in the year in creative writing, and she seems to go absolutely like crazy at the minute. I take it then, when you finished your uni originally, then did you not think you'd go back to your writing then? Did you? I did. It was interesting because I worked for an arts charity for a while straight out of university, um, and I did a lot of stuff like literature projects kind of um, being involved in things like Exeter Poetry Festival and, and Plymouth Book Festival um, and I, I kind of think that was almost 
bad for my creativity because I was around a lot of really amazing writers and possibly at that time I ne I didn't necessarily think I kind of lived up to them so so it kind of put me off in a weird way I think it does sometimes there's a danger of that because I know I know exactly what you mean there because I left uni I think I burnt myself out and I'd seen so many good poets and stuff and I thought myself, I'm not at that level I don't think I ever would be but then like I think you find a breakthrough later on, don't you, sometimes? It, it might just mean you may not have been ready for it at that time. So you said you got back into your writing what, relatively recently, didn't you, then? So tell us about that, then. What led you back to your writing? So it's not like I've totally given up on writing. So I've hmm. lived in London for about six and a half years now, and during that time I would occasionally do like a course with the poetry school and I'd get really involved in my writing again but it would be for a short period of time like a couple of months and then life would just take over again and it was really at the end of 2019 I don't really know why but I just kind of challenged myself I was like okay it's November National Novel Writing Month well I'm going to make it National Poetry Writing Month myself and I'm going to try and write something every single day and I just kind of completely rediscovered why I loved writing poetry again. And it just got me back into it. And I, from there, I just started to read more poetry and become more involved in, like, just with a poetry group in London and things like that. And it just spiralled from there, really. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a natural progression, isn't it? So like you said, well, that's what's clearly happened to you there. So I like it. Said, then you're probably like, of you, I think good if you get a good group, and you tell me if you agree with this. When you're in a good group, you can really find it pushes you, doesn't it, to make you challenging. You come back to a better writer because of it. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed being part of the poetry group, and actually, during the pandemic, it's been a real lifeline because we've obviously continued to do our meetings um, remotely, and we used to only meet once a month, but we've been meeting twice a month, and it's been just really nice to stay connected to that community. Yeah, yeah, I think it does because it's. I think if you get a good group like that, it's. I think a lot of ways, I presume you meet on Zoom, do you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Zoom's been a godsend. I think as everyone, I'm sure in the country would agree with us on that because it's like, I were, I could said before, I called Ron and I to do it myself with my partner, Amanda, and my friend Steve, and we moved it onto Zoom straight away. And then I ended up, this will make you smile, I agreed to do a one off writing workshop in March. And 15 months later, we're still going on, meeting up <laughs> fortnightly. It wasn't planned. But I'm, I've got, like, 15 years' experience teaching writing, so it's been a pleasure getting back to that. But you know what I mean? It's, it's interesting Zoom, isn't it? So, now, have you found the experience a bit on Zoom, then? Um, it's been okay. I mean, I think there's no pressure in our group to necessarily have your video on, and I must admit that I'm quite often kind of, in my pajamas on a Sunday morning without my video on, joining the poetry group. I like um, it. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it's been it's been really nice, and I think you know, like a lot of these things, it hasn't just been about the writing; it's also been about staying connected to people and you know, sharing your own experience with the craziness over the last year. Oh yeah, completely. I know what you mean. Now I want to ask go back a bit in time here because I'm doing this in a very roundabout way tonight. I'm interested in knowing, obviously, you were telling me before you used to write all the angst teenage poems, didn't you, when you were younger? <laughs> did Where did all that originally come from then? Was it like the typical teenage emotions or was it all being spurred on when you were at school, was it? 
Yeah, I, so I, I was always, like English was always my favourite subject at school and I think mm. that I, I did begin to become a lot more interested in poetry as a result of what I was doing at school. Um, for example, I got really into Philip Larkin, which we'll link into something later. Ah, right, like, now that, that yeah. does answer a question, that, but we will come on to that later then, definitely. So. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So. Was there any other poets you really got into at that time then, was it, as well, that really grabbed you? Um, I, can't, I can't really think of any at the moment. I remember just becoming very obsessive about Philip Larkin's poetry for a while. Um, and that, that obsession kind of carried on into university as well. And I, yeah, I'm quite a big fan. Um, I think I've really become more of a dedicated poetry reader in very recent years. So I've probably previously been read enough to be a good writer. And whereas now, hopefully, I, I do read enough. I think you do like it. I think to, to take it, and do you agree in the theory to, I think Amanda's always used this one, Stephen King quoted, to be a good writer, you've got to read at least as much as what you write. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I, I would say that one of the things that really stood out to me, so when I was writing my pamphlet One Night in January, which came out at the start of this year, it was, it was very much at the start of the first lockdown. And the thing that was different about that period of writing was that I was also reading a huge amount of poetry um, by lots of different writers. And I think that I just found that that in itself was very inspiring just to hear these different voices and kind of, you know, yeah, just be inspired by them, really. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, very cunningly led, leads into what I was going to talk to you about next, actually, that was. Now, everyone notices the links we're doing today is meticulously planned, as is. <laughs> <laughs> if my standards, is obviously one night in January, your debut pamphlet, which you sent to recently. Now, you said before that was started to write at the beginning, at the beginning of the lockdown, then, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So, what made you want to actually just, it's almost like your lockdown poem is then, basically, isn't it? Yeah. So, how long did it take you to write the collection? Was it quite a sh- a brief one to write then was it or did it take a while this yeah it was I mean the thing is when I first started writing the poems that ended up in this pamphlet I didn't think that I was like embarking on a writing project really I was just writing because it because it is based on personal experience as might be quite evident like it's a telling of a kind of love affair a story with a love story which doesn't have the chance to kind of blossom into anything because it's very much Two passing ships in the night, kind of thing. I was, I was wondering about that myself. It did feel that sort of thing. There was a, there was definitely that. It kind of reminded me of Billy's Rain, my Hugo Williams, or something. The tale of her beginnings and yet lead right up to almost at the end of a relationship. When so was that the plot? Obviously, like, I'm not going to ask you how true to life that was because that's <laughs> none of my business. <laughs> but, so, but I, so, so that was kind of the inspiration was from real life and I was just writing these poems and I started writing them I probably did start writing them a little bit before lockdown but only maybe one or two and I think then the pandemic and the fact that I live on my own and suddenly had a lot more time on my hands I thought well I might as well just carry on writing and then it wasn't really until maybe April so I was kind of writing quite consistently in March and April with most of the poems that have been written. And then I started to think, actually, there I'm writing all these poems on one theme, so it makes sense to start to think of them as a collection that I might be able to get published. Because obviously like, one of my aspirations 
was to get something published like a body of work so um so yeah that it started to take a bit more shape then right because i can tell everyone i'm reading it and i've been reading it a bit over the past week or so and you can tell when we read it it really is a well-wrought collection in fact is where it feels like you're telling chapters of the story and poems there's that attention to detail that you don't always see in collections that is a really good collection so now obviously we were you were hinting before about philip larkin now there is a quote from philip larkin right at the beginning of the collection can you tell us why why what made you want to put that there at the beginning of the quote then yeah i mean i i've always loved this this quote um from one of his poems and i can't even remember which poem it is which is terrible um, but I think it was a, it was about um, this feeling that, you know, you're kind of done with being sad about something. You're done with the heartache and you just kind of want to move, move on and let yourself like free yourself from those emotions. And I guess I didn't necessarily think I was going to include this at the beginning until I'd finished writing it. And then I thought, well, that's kind of what I wanted to convey. It's like you can have some beautiful moments and maybe they will cause you some pain, but actually can you just go forward and take some hope from having had that experience? Yeah, I got that straight away. And I thought that I thought it was a great way of starting the collection off that really. I really added that a nice emphasis to me in it. Now I did ask you before a pre-camera, I just spotted another writer's name on there as well. So I'm gonna ask you about these two now. What made you want to reference Cameron Awkward Rich? And it's Gwendolyn Brooks, is it? Have I got that pronounced right? Yeah, yeah, Gwendolyn Brooks, yeah. Um, well, this is just me not plagiarising people, but obviously <laughs> um, reading some good poems and being inspired by them. Like I said to you, I was reading lots of different writers at the time and these happened to be two of the poets whose work I was looking at. And I think sometimes if I'm not sure what I want to write, I might kind of think, oh, I'll just take the start of someone else's poem and kind of see where it goes. And that's certainly like how poems um, based on that Cameron, Cameron Awkward Rich poem kind of came about, was from this line, there are so many reasons to stay inside. And that kind of resonated with me quite strongly because we were literally all staying inside, but there was also this feeling of, um, you know, the emotions being quite contained and not really knowing what to do with them. Um, so that was that one. And then the other poem, Dual Aspect, is kind of um, pinches a few last lines from a Gwendolyn Brook poem. Um, and it was just, it's just playing around, like poems that I was experimenting with, and then I liked them enough for them to come into the collection, basically. But I wanted to obviously reference the fact that there was kind of a dialogue with some of those writers. Right, explains why, yeah. Because like, if you read the poems in question, you can see, because I've, I've researched both of where writers were, and you can see that what he's, he's cleverly wrote where it's your voice, but you've used the other bits as like, almost like you're putting a roof on a house, haven't you? And that's like the base at the bottom, and haven't you built over the top of it, haven't you, you know, words? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's because I particularly liked a poem that I have read by them and, and it kind of sparked an idea that that's kind of where it's come from. Brilliant. Oh, good luck, but definitely so. And when did the collection come out again? It came out a little while ago, he said. Am I correct in thinking that, didn't it? Yeah, so it got 
accepted for publication in like the summer last year and then it was published in January because my publishers thought that releasing a book called One Night in January might be quite good timing. <laughs> I was just going to ask you about that next actually. I was wondering about where the title came from. So was it in, was the title actually always in your mind to be calling it that, was it? No, it wasn't, but it is a line in one of the poems, I think. Yeah, I did. It's, yeah, I think it's titled one of the poems of the memories characters as well. Oh, they, yeah, there is definitely reference to January. So I guess it was that some of the events that inspired the poems were happening in at the end of January, this kind of winter period. Um, and I'd also been to Iceland last January as well, which is why there's some Iceland kind of references to Oh, why not? Why not? Right. Yeah, it's like, no, it's, it does, the book does, does have a very, very wintry feel, certainly in good chunks of it, certainly. So, yeah, I do agree with that. Excellent. Okay, now, I know, obviously... I'm going to start wrapping up now, but obviously I always like to ask people, what plans do you have next for your writing? Because I know you're, you're going to be sharing some new stuff with us in the second half, aren't you? So, so that says to me then you must have either have a second collection in mind or you're working on new material, aren't you then? Yes, yeah, so I am working on something new um, and I kind of started working on it in like autumn, winter last year. Um, so basically I'm hoping put together a collection of poems which is focused on the paintings of Vincent van Gogh. Um, And it's kind of, the poems are kind of turned out to be like almost love letters to the artist in a way. Um, But it's also tied up with like, um, you know, a narrative from the poet as well. So, you know, I would expect there to be a strong current of like personal experience running through it as well. It's, it's hard to say too much about it at the moment because although I have written quite a lot, I'm not sure what the shape's going to be just yet. I am hoping to read one from my draft um, <laughs> after the break. Um, yeah. Brilliant. I'll look forward to hearing that in a few minutes and definitely. Now, obviously, I could obviously ask you then, obviously, you said to get the shape together, but have you found them, because I've done two books myself over the years, each book is his own different beast. And it's like, I think you learn each book also has a reaction to the previous collection. So have you found that, have you, and it's because you're writing letters to a different artist almost. The life is almost a different, isn't it? It take, goes in a different direction, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think for me, it's the paintings have really kind of opened up this whole new kind of land of colour and, you know, summer and sunflowers and all the kind of, Things that you associated with Van Gogh, and I think that it's kind of almost let me get a little bit away from what I might usually write into a different, a different plane. <laughs> no, brilliant. No, no, definitely so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good that, like I said, I look forward to seeing it. Definitely so. Keep us informed. Definitely. Now, okay. To conclude this part, Kate, um, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Um, so I have a website, it's www.katejwilson.com, but the best place to kind of find out what I'm doing is probably on Twitter, so you can follow me again at katejwilson213. Um, and if you want to buy my book, you can go to the Wild Press Books website, or you can 
find it now on Amazon for one ninety nine on Kindle. It's recently come out. So oh, excellent! It's, it's yeah, a real bargain. Oh, you can't fault that for one ninety nine. You're telling me, yeah, this this show shows organised. We are spoken lately. Kate told me this by email last week. She said she wants to mention it's one ninety nine and 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 that Kindle. I didn't know about that. And I thought until you told me, you didn't. I thought excellent. No, spark on that because like you feel like you're reading a, like a novel to me. And what isn't about. 40 odd pages of your collection, really, isn't it? So that's where it shows you how much details in it. So oh, excellent. Check it out, everybody. It's 199, definitely. Right, okay, guys and girls. Well, that's all me and Kate are going to talk about today. We'll let her get composed and she'll do a few poems in the second half. So hang around, everybody. I've enjoyed it today, Kate. It's been a good start. There's definitely some. Thank you. See you all in a minute. Spoken mate. Hi guys, I'm still here with Kate. Um, she's going to do a selection of poems for us today, some from her collection. And some more recent materials. I'm looking forward to this. Over to you, Kate. Thanks, Andy. So I was going to start with um, a few poems from my collection on 19 January. Um, the first one I'm going to read is called Mount Ezia. I compose a shot, but it doesn't capture my fallen jaw bored across this other world. Though I hold my breath, eyes fixed on distance a trick of perspective. I don't see the significance or hear feather on feather, something unfurling its wings at the sound of lava. Its flow foreshadows an earth swell within me, as though ages of rock might suddenly crack open to reveal a fire creature I thought I'd buried better, with long ago love letters poured in adolescence. But we've yet to meet, so I dismiss this distant shudder Steady myself, smile for the camera, stare a little longer. It's a fantastic thought there, because it's got, if anyone reads a collection, it's great. So I've got it, I've got it open up as a PDF at the moment in front of me here, but there's some really great lines in this. I just love the line where a fire creature I thought I'd buried better. That's such, it's a great line. When that, they, you do the contrast with the long ago love letters poured in adolescence, so it shows the time period looking back. Was that the plan, was it, at that point, that point, was it? Because it's quite, it's, if you look at the collection, it's a very early one, isn't it, in the story? Yeah, so I kind of wrote that later, so it did kind of feel like you were, you were looking back. Yeah, it's brilliant, it's a really good piece, that. Okay, on to number two. America. Is it madness we feel when we kiss under Van Gogh's stars? Lip press and strokes of yellow, immediate demented blue. It feels like I'm back in New York, a blue-eyed idealist facing taxi cabs, attempting to write, giving up to hedonistic night. Circle-drawn eyes shaded, in morning sun I amble to MoMA, to stare in unexpected wonder at a product of dazzling suffering. It was winter then, snow packed high against roadsides to hide grimy streets, though when the thaw came, it would be brutal. And I wonder if the same is true of you, my candy sweetheart, with your lilting American charm, who kisses like a man possessed. If beneath this starry night, there is a sketch in black and white that outlines charcoal edges, the candid nature of I've got to unmute myself. <laughs> no, it's got really good, again, really good lines. I like the ending of that, where you've got about outlines, charcoal edges, the candid nature of things. It's, 
gives it a real starkness there. Now, what I like about this as well is, is obviously we've gone on before, but I love the reference to Van Gogh at the beginning of it. So it's almost like it shows to people, like there's a tender little link in there, this in your second collection and possibly isn't there? Yeah, I mean, he's one of my favourite artists. I know I'm probably not alone. Um, so, yeah. Oh, great, great stuff. Okay, on to number three. Yearning. I look up a definition, the experience of intense longing for something one is separated from. I wonder at how simply this expresses a feeling I can only describe as cataclysm. Its length and breadth leave no space for pause or breath. Lungfuls of you in moved hours, crestfallen light sharpening my pillow, where you laid your head while I pulled at threads of your hair, teased those whispers of silver. When I couldn't believe days without your smile creased against my cheek, flushed at your proximity, had ever existed. Where time before you blanched, colourless hours until an unexpected rush, a collection of stars discovered one night in January, flecks of light I sewed in my pocket. As the white moon falls across my wanting face, I feel the weight of these two stakes. That's quite a stirring piece, that one as well. Yeah, it's like, I love the reference to that. You, you, see, you can really feel winter in that peach you can. And it's not even talking about January on it as well. So no. I take it then that, um, I can ask you before about the previous piece about America. Those, have you actually been to America then, have you? Yes, I have. Yes, I was I was kind of thinking about a very um, icy trip, I, snowy trip I took to New York quite a few years ago now. <laughs> Ah, yeah, those, I'm always a believer as a poet, and this one I think shows this yearning as well, is you always say you've got, even if you're actually telling a story, there's got to be some element of you in that poem. And what do you think, what do you think to that theory? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the reasons I sometimes find it a bit challenging to share some of my work is that it does feel very personal to me, and it is often quite grounded in my own personal experience, <laughs> so it can be a bit feel a bit like you're exposing yourself I guess yeah 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 yeah. no I think you do you see it's got something naked honest in it and I really felt felt it in that piece and as well certainly so brilliant okay then I think you were going to do one more weren't you from this collection weren't you yeah so this one's called anecdote hours bled out to nights where you slept in unfamiliar beds felt for one timorous second home might be possible again and it might be envy I felt after you left at how you picked up your hat, your heart, leaving packed up cares to gather dust, clustered in a muted hallway with mine, where you don't have to think of them, or me, on the open road where each turn is a phrase of a song composed, and London is a place you visit once, another blue spot on your map picked off, hung on your wall to point to at parties while travel tales slide off your tongue, and I'm just another anecdote. Ooh. 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 Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's not a hint of bitterness there, really, is there? <laughs> just maybe a tiny bit. <laughs> the hatred there, definitely. Is that the last line? <laughs> Brilliant. I've really enjoyed them. Okay, they're fantastic. Okay. Well, you said you, to, you wanted to do a couple of, one or two pieces from your forthcoming material, didn't you? 
And I was going to do one for my forthcoming material and one just other. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Okay. So I'll start off with um, the Van Gogh themed one. So this one's called Sunflowers. Your flowers, giants of canvas, their faces, apertures through which the child travels, glimpsing all she'd ever know of passion. Fervor in foreshadowed summers where the sunlight belt its way into corners, illuminating the clash of artists and imitators. I was an infant when I first saw them, modeling pastiche in lime pastels which smeared my skin, unforgiving. Yellow wound in circles that swallowed shape and similarity, curving irreverently until the whole thing was barely familiar. Later, sunflowers from my grandmother, sun bleached through years of exposure to longing, hung there, reminding me of my own ragged masterpiece, discarded in a cupboard in the family home, protected from wandering fingers of light. And after it was over, Standing in Amsterdam with a camera phone, picturing them through a short lens, the intimate feel of your brush, the lushness of gallery light as it rushed through me, escalating heat of July, this brilliant blooming behind glass. Excellent. Yeah, there's, there's a very different tone, actually, to your material there, straight away. I think it'll be... I think as well that's before back to before back. You find out when you're doing your collection, each one's different, different to each other. And that's going to be, I think the emotional impact is going in a different way in this one. Yeah, excellent. Really, Thank really good you. stuff. Go ahead and do that. Hey, you're on to your big finale. If I had a trumpet now, I'd play a trumpet now for you. They give you the big oh, finale. Yeah. <laughs> but I know you do something, you do something completely different now to conclude with, aren't you? Yeah, so this is actually a really old poem. Um, and it's inspired by um, Lip. Um, so I'll just, I'm just going to launch in, if that's okay. So it's called Lessons. It revealed itself one night on the edge of sleep, a visitation, a memory flimsy at first, but finding form under a crescent moon. Without a breath, the night evaporated, replaced by a drifting mist from another night, one that clung unseemly like the fear I discovered upon waking my childhood bed and asking the unfit sky for certainty, for an answer to a question as yet unknown to my childish lips. There was no reply. And I felt a knife point, the precipice, the one on which I would forever falter, though I did not know it then, the one on which the known world hung, wavering, and I thought only of my grandmother and her weakened hands thin fingers faltering as she offered me her treasure, a bracelet, a ring, a collection of grey photographs. And though it was her life I held in my hand, I could not find the joy in it. I was, you must know, confronting a misty vision in battle with that abject figure who sought to steal away my belief in something more, perhaps love. No, more a certain kind of immortality earned in the daily toil of parenthood fish finger dinners and names sewn with care into school teaching painting to the next generation those tots untouched by pain printing potato shapes and praising our creation i had neither the tools nor the experience to win once 
We had spent unending mornings together while your dogs ran circles around us, fetching and catching our dreams on the wide green lawns of my youth, swinging so high I thought I might go flying over the bars. But you were always behind me until that summer when I was told you were dying. It would be a slow death, a weakening of the body, my spirit worn away by the rough-edged certainty of what we were waiting for. The memory ceased. I was in bed, edging sun like the slow birth of a new dream. My eyes rested on a watercolour you painted, a sweet rose dawn over Cotswold Field, and I thought of those unbearable lessons we must all sit down to. Great, great stuff for that one. So what plans do you have for that piece then? Do you, do you envillage in that be possibly in a, some collection in the future or something? Or? <laughs> this is one that I repeatedly send out, hoping that someone's going to publish it. <laughs> and then we're listening, snap it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, again, I've got pieces like that where you can send them out for ages, can't you? But then like, but I, this, I'll be honest now, I've had it before now when I've sent the piece out, it took two years to get it placed, and then I have two offers that come through in two days. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, but no, brilliant, Kate, it's been a pleasure today. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for inviting me on, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great fun. Okay, look, hang around, I need to speak to you off mic anyway, but as Don Tallis says of Impact Wrestling, everybody, stay safe and stay over. We'll see you all soon. Spock on me.